This is week three of devotion. Everybody say, I'm devoted. Devotion. We've been talking about how to have a dedicated prayer life. How to have a dedicated prayer life. And I started, it's kind of funny how this has developed. Um, You've got to go back and watch week one because I, I really dove into kicking off with 10 keys to prayers that get results. 10 keys to prayers that get result, results. And then I realized last week that I was missing a pretty important key, fasting and prayer. And um, I didn't intend to spend the whole service, but it ended up being a lot of really good teaching on fasting and prayer. So I encourage you, if you are new today or you're watching online, go back and watch those services. I don't have time. I am going to re- rehash what the first couple points are. Um, Because I'm going to get through all 11 points today, or 10, I already covered uh, the other one, I already covered 11 really well. And so I'm going to get through all of them today, but I'm not going to expand on the first three or four because I did that in week one. So go back and watch that because I'm not, look at Ephesians chapter 6. Today I want to make crystal clear the important, not just these 10 keys, yes, these keys are important, but if you don't understand why God even created prayer, why God has prayer in existence, why is prayer the method that God uses? Well, I don't know if I can even answer that, but I can try to answer that, yes, it is the method that he created, and because he created the method of prayer for us to communicate with him, then I need to operate in prayer the way he outlined it. If you have a, uh, instructions for, for, um, let's say something you bought for your house, like how to put a couch together or how to install your new TV. Or if you have kids like me, whenever you get a toy, bless God for those instructions. I don't know who makes up these toys and puts the instructions with the toys, but there should be like I mean, all the stuff the government does, they should put in a government audit on like toy instructions. Really, there should be there should be an audit, uh, something, some sort of investigation. And in some of these toy instructions are worthless. Anybody else, any other parent other than me, you get the toy out and you're excited and it's Christmas Eve or whatever it is, or maybe it's birthday and you're like, OK, cool. They're going to love this, whatever this toy is. And you get the instructions out and you're like, oh, praise God. This is how I'm going to now I'm going to be able to set this up for my child. And they're gonna, you, you spend three to four hours just trying to understand the diagrams. And whether, is this supposed to be like the front side? I'm ringing a little bit if somebody can bring me down. Is this supposed to be the front side or the back side? Like, is it right? And you're looking at these instructions and you're trying to figure out, I mean, what, what exactly am I even looking at? Okay, I have, I have some, some good news for you. The Bible has been painted by some as confusing, but it's, it's living. The, the Bible is, it, it describes itself as living and powerful. And so if you take the time to read and study God's word, you'll actually see it's not that complicated. It's not complicated at all. Serving God is not hard. People make it out, you know, not to just be on a soapbox all morning because I was already on the one soapbox. But I I just, it frustrates me when people paint Christianity as like this big, hard thing. No, it's actually hard to serve the devil. I mean, it's, it's, it's a wide, the Bible describes it as a wide road. It's easy to go down that road, but what I mean is it's hard because it costs you. Serving God pays, pays dividends. God takes care of his people. And serving the devil costs. It costs. And so when, when, I, when I look at God's word, I look at the instructions of God's word. Well, he outlined prayer for us and said, hey, if you're, gonna, if you're going to have communion with me, meaning a relationship with me, you have to have a prayer life. You have to have a devotion, a devotion to God, a devoted, I've got to devote my time. Spending time with God is more important than anything else in my life. Now, do I have to do those other things? Yes. Do I have to spend time with my wife and kids? Yes. Do I have to, 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 to work? Yes, the Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. I like to eat. Anybody else in here say amen? amen. So what does that mean? I have to work. 
I have to work. I have a job. And, and, and I mean, I'm a pastor, but there's a work side to ministry. We kind of joke around here and we say, if you don't know how to spell ministry, ministry is spelled W-O-R-K. Because if you really want to minister to people, you, you know, it's not just preaching. This is one facet of what I do. The most important, I would say, to my job. But if I do this and don't call people throughout the week, have methods to reach out and communicate to people, do advertising and marketing, uh, um, make sure that, that the building is set up properly, maintained properly, communicate with volunteers, uh, oversee. Of course, we have a lot of people that help us do that now. But if we don't oversee all that, make sure it gets done. That, that's work. So there's a work side to what I do. I have to do that. But all of those things, even my study time for a message is not as important as my devotion time with God. Because my direction as a father, hey, I want to be the best dad I can be. Any other dads in here? We're going to start, just so y'all know, for all the men. I'm working on some plans right now. I'm going to probably start talking to some of the men. We're going to start a, a, uh, some once a month men's meeting men's activity that's going to happen i mean i it might be axe throwing and stuff like that because right now we don't we we, we only can use the, this venue a limited time but we're, there'll be a spiritual aspect to it and once we have our building you're going to see that we we turn that into men's prayer meetings and things that that develop men spiritually because if if we as men are not the spiritual leader leaders of our household that god called us to be then we're going to be inadequate in fulfilling the call of our life. I'm supposed to be the spiritual leader, so I've got to spend time with God to learn, Lord, this isn't going very well right now. What am I doing wrong? Where, Lord, I need you to come through. Lord, I need you to help me. I need you to show me. The same thing for, for women. I mean, I, thank God I'm not a woman. Thank God. But you've got to be a mama. Uh, a leader, a helper. In most homes, most households nowadays are two income households. The society we live in, it's not like it was 100 years ago. So most, even if you're married and you have a happy marriage, most households require two incomes to, to do what we do nowadays. So, so, so both parents are working and parenting. And, and man, how do I do all this? You know, God cares about every detail in your life. He cares about every aspect. He, care, he cares about the ins and outs, the ups and downs. He cares about every aspect of your life. So when, when you spend devoted time and you have a dedicated prayer life that actually works, that's biblical, you'll get answers from God. Two weeks. We put out a little video this week uh, for my sermon last week. It, we should expect results when we pray. The same way you expect a paycheck, same same. Uh, a way that when you go to a restaurant and you, and you pay for food and you order food, you expect the food to show up the same way you, you expect things all throughout your life. When you pray, you should expect results. You should expect answers if you're asking a question. If you're just wanting to spend time with God, you should expect His presence to come in. If you're uh, um, giving praise and thanks to God, the Bible says that when you do that, He inhabits the praises of His people. When you minister, when, the Bible says when they minister to the Lord, the Lord spoke. You should expect to hear from God. You should expect results. So how do we get results? I want to cover, uh, like I said, all these points, but the points have an underlying tone to them that if you don't get, the points won't really work. So I want to cover this first. Ephesians 6.18. And I'm going to read this from uh, a different translation. I normally am a New King James guy, but I'm going to read it from a different translation. It says this. Pray in the Spirit at all times. And on every occasion, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Now, how do you do that? How do I pray at all times and on every occasion? Well, you have to have an atmosphere or an attitude of prayer. That even when you're at work, you can't say, OK, hold on. I mean, if you're a truck driver, you can't pull over every five minutes and pray. Because you'll never make your destination and you will get fired. But you can learn to pray while you drive. 
You can learn that, okay, I mean, I like listening to, to such and such radio station, and you got it dialed in, and you know all the way up and down 95. Uh, when I hit this line, i got to switch to this radio station. When I hit to this line, i got to switch to that radio station. Or you like podcasts, and you listen to podcasts, or whatever it is, and you have all this stuff. I love listening. I listen to preaching a lot. A lot. I mean, like, it's, it's what I do, so I love listening to other people preach. But the Lord dealt with me. Sometime last year, okay, you've really increased your word intake, but you've left me out. I mean, my, my, my prayer life, had, I mean, plumb, now I was getting, my faith was at a very high level because I was getting a lot of word. But you know what? You can have a lot of faith in God and have no direction. I, that was me. I had no direction. How, where does the direction come from? Prayer, spending time with God. Praying always, at all times, on every occasion. Now notice this, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Look at Matthew 6. I'm going to start in verse 5. This is Jesus talking. Jesus said this, he said, when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. He's talking to his disciples. He says, hey, don't be like them. Well, how were they? They love to pray standing in the synagogues, out in public, on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, Jesus said, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room. When you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in secret, in the secret place, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So one of the underlying tones I want you to see, that you, before I go through all these 10 points, listen, there is a reward for praying. God actually, he sees in secret that you, now this does not mean that you can't pray corporately. You can pray corporately. This is Matthew chapter 6. You can pray corporately, but that the, the, the point is not to, to be a, a show, but oh, look at how I pray. By the way, you don't have to change your voice when you pray. If you talk like this, if, I, if I'm in my normal voice, when I go to pray, I don't have to, oh, Heavenly Father, I thank you right now, Heavenly Father, that in the name of Jesus, like, where do those extra syllables come from? Does that, like, have, like, an extra, like, you know, trajectory to heaven? You don't have to do that. I mean, if you really like to pray that way, God hears it the same as long as you pray to the Father in Jesus' name. But you don't have to. You know what you have to do? What I just said. Pray to the Father in Jesus' name. All right. So Jesus is just saying that. What happens in secret, God rewards you openly. Look at verse 7. When you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. You, you know, okay, so I'm supposed to pray at all times on all occasions, but how can I do that if, I, if I'm not supposed to repeat myself? You don't have to, you know, God's not retarded. I know that's not kosher terms. I probably should have picked a better word. Okay, forgive me. But I'm just saying, he's not. He's not hard of hearing. He hears you the first time. Which, when you talk to God, he hears you. He's not hard of hearing. You don't have to repeat yourself over and over and over and over again. What you have to do is ask in faith, believe that you have it, and we'll get to that in a second. And so then what do I need to do? I need to follow the model of prayer that's appropriate and know that when, God, when I ask God, he hears me. So then why, how can I pray at all times? By staying in the spirit. You know, asking God for things is one type of prayer. Praise and worship is another part. So I can ask God, now that I've done that, I don't need to have vain repetitions. I don't need to just repeat myself over and 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 ask God, ask God, ask God, ask God, ask God. You know what I need to do? I need to thank Him. I need to thank Him and stay in the Spirit. Why am I staying in the Spirit? Lord, as I thank you for that thing. Lord, I thank you that you're going to, Lord, I know I don't have a job right now. Lord, I thank you for my new job. You said you'll supply all my need according to your riches and glory. Pastor JT talked about it on Sunday. I believe that you're going to do it. I know you're going to do it. I know that somehow, some way. That, so as I'm doing that and I'm staying in the spirit, I'm looking for that door to open. Then I'm praying about that. Lord, I, this, this job just called me back. Is this the job for me? I'm going to go. I'm going to do the interview. But you know what, Lord? I don't feel very good in my spirit about it. I don't have a good sense about it. You know, Lord, I'm going to obey you. If this is not the job for me, I know it looks good on paper and they got a good salary, but I just don't think it's the, so what am I doing? I already asked him a month ago. 
But as I'm going through the interview process, as I'm walking it out, as I'm talking to my spouse, as I'm getting good, godly, wise counsel, and I'm doing these things, I'm being sensitive to the Spirit and letting God lead me to the right job. But what many of us do is, Lord, you know, I'm not happy with this job, and so before I get the next job, you just quit. You just quit. Well, they made me mad. And I just said, blah, 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 blah. So you make a decision out of your emotion, and then all of a sudden, now you got to pray. Um, Lord, um, I thank you for the next job. Wouldn't it be a lot be easier, better, more effective to just stay in the Spirit, pray it through? And do you think God knows you hate your job? He does. And He actually doesn't want you to hate your job. And I I say this often, but I don't think you get tired of hearing it. And there's new people here today. So Uh, this is a really good prayer to pray if you don't like your job. Lord, move me or move them. What do I mean by that? Change the job. If somebody's making making your job a living H-E-double-L, Lord, I need you to move. Let them get a promotion, Lord, to Wyoming. I heard there's really good jobs out there, Lord, and I think they would do really well out there. (laughs) Pray them right to Wyoming, and then you can just slide right into their spot. Amen? I mean, seriously. Don't don't, don't pray demise on anybody. God can't honor that. He doesn't do that. But you can pray, Lord, move them, or let me know if there's a better job for me, because I can't, this is not not working for me. Don't say I can't do it, because you can do all things through Christ. So say, Lord, I can endure this, Long enough for you to give me a better job or change this one. That's how you pray things out like that. Do you see? Do y'all see the difference? Stop complaining in your prayer. Stop, stop wasting your devoted time complaining. God doesn't need you to complain. He needs you to believe his word. To trust his word. And to act on his word. And the prayer time is me, uh, Pastor Steve says this, my pastor, he's in Florence, uh, he's the one who helped start, or not help, but he started all of our family worship center churches, and, and he says this, he says, listen, prayer processes the plan of God, and I think that's really good, prayer processes the plan, all right, I got to keep going, so what does Jesus say here, verse 8, therefore don't be like them, for your father knows the things you have need of before you ask them, now, I'm going to cover this in a second in one of these points, but notate that, verse 8. God knows what I need before I ask him. So he knows what I need, but I still have to ask him. Verse 9. So in this manner, therefore pray. Now many of us have heard this, quoted this as kids. The Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now notice this, verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, this is my, my, my big underlying current for today's message that, I, that you've got to get. On earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Everybody say it with me. Say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Very, very clear, a couple things very, very clear here. Number one, God has no problem getting his will done in heaven. He has no problem with that. The problem, obviously, is getting his will done on earth or he, Jesus would not have instructed us to pray this way. Think about it. Why would we be instructed to pray, God, I want your will done on earth as it is in heaven. I want your kingdom to come. I want your will to be done. Like, like 2 Peter says, you know, that, that, I, that, I will, that God wills that none should perish, but that all should have everlasting life. If, if God could get his will done on earth, then everyone will be saved. Adam, would have ne- Adam and Eve would have never eaten the fruit, and we would, we would be living in perfect harmony right now on a perfect earth with no sin, no sickness, no disease, no problems, no issues, no sin. But he does not manipulate you. He does not control you. God is a gentleman. He gives you free will. And because of your free will, you choose whether you want God's will to be done in your marriage, in your home, in your job, or whether you want yours. 
It's, it's, it's actually up to us. Now, I could go on for the sake of time. I could go on through the whole prayer, but most of us could quote it anyways. I want to focus on this part. I want to focus on why did Jesus... Now, one other point here before I move on. This is Jesus explaining how to pray before he died and before he was resurrected, obviously. So after or towards the end of his life, he instructed the disciples. We looked at this three weeks ago, right? We looked at, he said, in that day, you'll ask, you've asked nothing in my name, but going forward, you need to ask the Father in my name. So we don't see this prayer end in Jesus' name. But we know that after Jesus went on to be with the, went on to heaven, Excuse me. After he died, was resurrected, went to heaven, what do we have to do? We have to pray in Jesus' name. Okay, so why did Jesus say this? Let's look at, uh, let's look at another verse. Let's look at John 15, 7 and 8. John chapter 15, verse 7 and 8. You can't really do a sermon topic on prayer and not cover John 15, 7 and 8. It says this, If you abide in me, if you, just Jesus, Telling the disciples, listen, hey, guys, pay attention. If you abide in me, if you abide in me, in my words, everybody say his words. And my words abide in you. This word abide means literally to reside or make your home in. So I've got to make sure that I reside in Jesus, in his word, who, you know, actually Jesus is the word. The Bible says that he was the word. In the beginning, he was the word. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus was the word. So if, if I live here, if I make my home here, if you come here long enough, you'll, you'll hear me say it a, a million times, that this is a, a handbook for profitable living, for living a blessed life. Why do I, why do I say that? Why do, I, why do I beat that to a pulp? Because if you don't understand the importance of God's word and it being the foundation for your life, the Bible says your life will be built on sand. But if you build it on the word, it'll be built on rock. And many of us, that's what we do is we, we go through our life and we're like, man, I'm just, you're spending your whole life fixing the quicksand that your house is falling under, not realizing I built it on that. I built it on truths and things that were in the world and things that I made up and decisions that I made and I did not build my life on his word. And so this part of my life, this part of my foundation, it's on solid rock. It's doing well, but this part over here. So how do we get there? How do we recognize those things? Through prayer. God will point them out. He'll put his finger on things and say, hey, if you keep doing this, it's going to cause major problems in your life. And then you have to listen. You have to obey. If you keep living in sin like this, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cost you. The wages of sin is death. And it'll, it, God will put his finger on things. He'll outline things. And it may not even be sin. It could just be, hey, listen, if you do that right there, the, the, the blessing stops at that decision. Don't do that. I'm not involved in that. I'm not, I'm not that, that, that business venture, these business ventures I was in, but that one I'm not. God will protect you from things you shouldn't be involved in. And we get there through prayer. So what does it say here? If you abide in me. Now notice this. And my words abide in you. Look, you will ask whatever you desire. I'll be done for you. You will ask whatever you desire. You mean to tell me I can ask God for my... See, people, again, you, you get around these religious circles and they quote things like, well... God's just got bigger fish to fry. We don't need to go and ask him for things that don't, you know, don't really matter in life. No, he actually cares about every one of your desires. It's like we think God is going to, like he's up, he's like this like massive juggler. He's in, in heaven like juggling all this stuff. And if we throw him this one extra ball, the whole thing's going to crash. Like we think that little, I'm not saying you, hopefully not you, but you've probably heard somebody say it or depending on your you might have had somebody in your family say it and you picked it up from them and you say things like that well I just I can't even ask God for that because there's there's hungry people overseas and I can't ask God for more food on my table like it's going to break God's bank to put more food on your table he has enough to do it all 
We, we can't think so little of God. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. Now, I want to do some quick math. Everybody count with me. Every time, everybody hold up your hand. Hold up a fist. Now, every time you hear the word you, we're going to put a finger up, okay? And we're going to see how many you's there are. All right, ready? If you abide in me and my words abide in you, two, you, three, will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Everybody say five. Five you's in this one passage about prayer. Five you's. How important is your job in prayer? You, you, it's, it's up to us to pray. And I know you, you know that. You're like, okay, that's really simple. But then why, why don't we have a more devoted prayer time? I think it's because of what I'm trying to get across to you today is that you don't understand the power of prayer. That you, you don't understand the power behind prayer. The, the, the value of if I just spent a devoted 15 30 minutes in prayer and then stayed in the spirit throughout the day that my I will set my life on a trajectory it's never been on before. Because then if, if, my, if my life is residing in his word, then it will be built on the concrete rock foundation of the principles. Of the, he, he won't allow me to miss and what I mean by that is he'll not listen again, God, you have to God works through people like he works through you. He, he cannot he cannot do things without you doing it. Now, again, I know this is another proper uh, uh, popular, not proper, popular phrase. Well, God will just do whatever he's going to do. Oh, yeah. Then why did he need Moses? Somebody answer that. Anybody that's ever quoted that, enlighten me. Help me understand. If God's going to just do whatever he's going to do. Now, again, I'm not limiting God by this statement, so don't think I'm preaching heresy today. What I'm saying is, is that if that statement is 100% true, then we'd have to say that, okay, well, then God could have just uh, 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 freed, the slave, freed Israel from their slavery in Egypt, and he didn't need Moses. But no, what did he do? He needed Moses. He needed Moses to go down and, and, and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Now, if you don't, you're going to see the wrath of God. And the wrath of God came on the Egyptians. It protected God's people. And then they plundered the Egyptians, took their silver and gold, and were free. If, why, why, why? Let me ask you another one. If God can just do whatever he's going to do, why did he need Mary? I mean, if Jesus was going to come regardless, I said, I said this several weeks ago. Again, so, so many people are new. You might not have caught this sermon, but I preached on, on how uh, um, when, right when Adam and Eve sinned, at that moment, G, uh, God came down and he said, hey, and he set in motion and basically said a prophecy. Hey, Jesus, he didn't say Jesus, but he said, there will be one who will bruise uh, you, you've bruised his heel, but he will crush your head. He was saying, Jesus is going to come and crush Satan's head, which happened thousands of years later. So if God can do that, then why did he need Mary? Because he, he, need, he needs us to do, to carry out his will. The New Testament tells us this, we're his hands and feet. We're his hands and feet. So what does prayer do? Prayer makes sure that my appendage is working. Prayer makes sure that I'm flowing in the vein of what I'm called and supposed to do. Are you with me today? Amen. Amen. So prayer is vital. It's so vital. I have to understand the importance of I can't just skip prayer time. I can't I can't function as a pastor, as a boss, as a leader, as a husband, as a dad, as a human being on this planet. As a good community member, I can't without proper prayer, without a devoted, dedicated prayer life. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. I don't have time to read Mark 11, but what does Mark 11 say? I summarize. It says to speak to the mountain, call it, uh, call it cast in the sea, it'll be cast in the sea. And he says, when you pray, don't doubt in your heart, and it'll be done for you. All right, look at this. I'm going to give you all 10. Ready? Or Yeah because I gave you 11 last week. Number one, 
use the right mechanics. Now, I'm going to give you verse points for some of these because, again, I've already been over them. So I'm not going to read the scripture, but look up John 16, 23 and 24. We have to pray to the Father in Jesus' name. So number one, use the right mechanics for prayer. So keys to having a, a, a prayer life that gets results. I want to pray and actually get results. If I'm asking God for something, I want to hear from him. I want to get direction. If I'm asking him to do something, I want to see that thing done. If I'm wanting to spend time in God's presence, then I want to, how do I do it? To the Father in Jesus' name. If you don't pray, Father God, prayer, end it in Jesus' name, it's not a sufficient prayer for a New Testament believer. Point blank, period. John 16, 23 and 24. Okay, number two. Decide what you want from God. Decide what you actually want. You know, Psalms tells us he'll give us, Psalms 37 says he'll give us the desires of our heart. So if you don't know what you want, ask God, what should I be desiring? Change my, you know, God's actually changed my heart on things. It's interesting. I have a car that, that, that I'm desiring right now. Now it's like, in, in comparison to, like right now, I want souls saved for this church. I want our attendance at a certain level. I want a building. And I could care less about a car, but I'm just going to use it as an example because I think it's somebody everybody can relate to. You're not all believing God for church buildings. Okay? But, but, but many of us have either believed God for a car, bought a car, want a car, so you can relate to this. So uh, I, this car, I'm going to tell you what it is. It's the Kia Telluride. Now, I have never in my wildest dreams up till the, like two years ago ever, ever thought about owning a Kia. Well, I guess it was three years ago. But when we started realizing Josh was on the way, we needed a van, we wanted to do the van life for a little bit. You know, if you're a dad, you know, van's not very sexy, but you just got to do what you got to do. You know? So we get we we, we look, shop around for vans. We realize that that Kia is actually you know uh, I I used to hear all the like the the horror stories about Kia. You know it stood for killed in action, <laughs> and all these like bad you know. Well, you actually research it and realize Kia is actually a really good car. It's a really good brand. The the price point is very reasonable. You, you okay? All right. So so we get the van, and as I'm driving the van, I'm like, this doesn't even feel like I'm driving a van. This is nice. So my point to you is that I like, I like SUVs. I never, ever thought like my dream car one day would be a Kia. Like, man, that's what I'm aspiring to do one day. Make sure that I do well, raise some good kids, and buy a Kia. But, but, we, but really, this van's been great for us. And, and now I, I, I love the Kia Telluride. Love it. I think it's awesome. I think it's great. Well, that's a desire. I think that God changed that desire in my heart. Now it's a desire of my heart. Do you, do you follow me? So I believe that God will give us the desires of our heart so that he can give us the desires of our heart. So if you don't have a desire, then pray this prayer. Lord, put in me your desire. Let me see what you see. Let me hear what you Let me see things the way you see it. Lord, in this, I feel like I'm wasting my life, my life away. I don't have a career. Lord, what am I supposed to do? I'm 30 years old, and I don't want to waste another 50 years or, or, or 40 years working a job that's going to be pointless. I want to do something for you. Lord, give me a desire that's kingdom-oriented. Lord, that I can do something for you and get paid doing it. Pray that, then believe God for the job. Because if you start praying with no specificity, it's worthless. Other, other than, other than I'm, I'm spending time with God. But if you just say, Lord, I, I thank you for a job. He's going to say, well, what kind of job? There's lots of jobs down at McDonald's. You can work at Bilo. You can work at Food Line. You can work at Amazon. What kind of job do you want? Okay, I actually want to be a hairstylist. Well, you've never been to school. You might want to look up cosmetology school, well, which is the right one. And you pray that prayer processes the plan of God. Don't just make flippant decisions. We live a life that God wants to help you orchestrate and ordain. And if you don't do these things, you're going to just waste your life away and then blame it all on God. And he gave you a method to pray 
and process his plans. So number two, decide what you want from God. That's James 1, 6 through 8. I already read it to you. Number three, read scriptures that promise the answer you need. Read scriptures that promise the answer you need. Joshua 1, 8 through 9. So you need to have scriptures, plural. Have scriptures that back up. So again, uh, uh, if it's health, well-being. Well, the, Isaiah says that uh, uh, by Jesus' stripes, I'm healed. So you can start there. Um, uh, uh, I'm, I'm missing the chapter verse. But the, but the uh, New Testament gives us several scriptures that outline to us that, that the word is health to our body. And that we, when we ha- read the word, that it, okay, you see what I'm saying? You can, you can find scriptures that support what you're believing God for. Number four, come boldly and confidently to God. Don't come to God. God didn't send his son to die on the cross for you, to die for all your sins, to give you the Holy Spirit so that you have the Holy Spirit residing in you to create a heavenly connection where he's sitting at the right hand of God, interceding for us. That's why we pray to the Father in Jesus' name. He didn't do all that so you can come and say, oh, Lord, um, I know um, I, just, I know you're, you're really busy up there and you've got a lot handled, you're going on in the, in the world, um, but if you could possibly help me with you you wasted three to five minutes of your valuable life mamby pamby praying that's why i'm telling you to get scripture because because that's how that's how i first of all i start with praise which is going to be number point number 10 spoiler alert praise so I start with praise and I end with praise. Lord, I thank you. And I bring up testimonies. That's how I start my prayer time. Before I ask God for anything, I'm praising him. Lord, I thank you. Because if, if what he did before, he did it, then I know he'll do it again. Then when I come to him, I start with the scripture. Lord, your word says in your holy written word that you gave me. That you said, if I ask anything in your name, you'll do it. And Lord, you said you'll supply all my needs. And your word says that it is your will that none should perish. This is how I've been, when I, when I prayed and I asked God for the van for the church, we're believing God for a van. This is how I, this is how I prayed. Lord, your word, listen, I've got people in this city, God, that are calling us and asking us to give them a ride, and I've got no way to give them a ride. I know you see it and you want it. You talk to God like that? Yes. Because he told me to ask him. He told me to ask him. He knows it's a need. I haven't asked him. I don't know why I didn't ask him. Last year when people started calling, Dodo brain myself. I don't know. I don't know why I didn't. But when I got the revelation, you know, I should actually ask God for a van. Pastor Steve said, you should believe God for one. I said, boom, I did. I, I got off the phone with him and immediately prayed. Heavenly Father, you've got a van out there somewhere for our church. I thank you for bringing it in our life. Show me where it is. Help me go get it. If, 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 if it's not like for free and somebody doesn't want to give it to the church, then give us the finances to get it. No, 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 uh, no loans. No, uh, no, I don't want to have to get a loan. I don't want to have to go to a bank. I want you to give it to us. Because your word says you'll supply all of our needs. This is a need for your ministry. There are people that need to come, hear the word, be taught here, and they need a ride to get here. And Lord, this is the truth, honest truth. I went in the middle of the prayer, my faith, I was building my faith up by quoting the word. I said, actually, Lord, I thank you for more than one van. I thank you for a van ministry. I went in one prayer from one van to van ministry with vans and drivers and fleets. Why? Because when you pray the word of God, your faith will grow when you speak the word of God. Amen? Man, i got to wrap up. Ready? All right, what number am I on? Are y'all with me? Y'all tracking? My wife reminded me. She's like, you know I have a meeting after church. Don't preach long. Okay, yes, baby. I want to stay married. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're, we're, we're good. Okay, come boldly and confidently to God. That's Hebrews 4.16. Let us come boldly. Number five, ask God for the thing you won't need. Self-explanatory, but... Got to say it. You have to actually ask. Number five, you have to ask. So we, we read earlier that he knows what we have need of. But in Matthew 7, 7 through 8, he said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you shall find. You actually have to ask. Number six, believe you receive. Believe you receive. Number six, believe you receive. Mark eleven twenty two 22 through 24. I quoted that earlier. When you ask, believe. Look at the Amplified of 24. For this reason, I'm telling you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe, trust, and be confident that it is granted to you and you will get it. Everybody say, I will get it. Number seven, refuse to doubt. Refuse to doubt. Number six, believe you receive. Number seven, refuse to doubt. You, can, you have to eliminate doubt. 
I may spend more time on a couple of these the next couple of weeks expanding on them, uh, on ways I've learned to refuse to doubt. I don't have time today. But Mark eleven twenty three says don't doubt. Number eight, remove, very important, very pivotal point here. Remove unforgiveness and bitterness from your heart. I'm going to read this one to you. Mark eleven twenty five through 26. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything, this is what Jesus said, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses, but if you do not forgive, neither will your, hev- neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. Many of you have wondered, well, why does it feel like God never hears me? Why is he not hearing me? And you've got so much animosity and unforgiveness in your heart towards other people. There's no way he can. You have to get that out. It's not about them. They may never do you right. They may never make it up to you. They may never correct their wrongs. But if you let that in your heart, it's a blockade for you. It's a block between you and God. You have to say, Lord, I I forgive them. They did me wrong. Lord, don't, don't go eat lunch with them. Don't go hang out with them. Forgive them and move on. Your prayer life depends on it. Number nine, meditate on the promises. Proverbs 4, 20 through 22. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. You have to meditate on the promises of God. So again, I've already asked God. I've already done all these other steps. What do I do? I stay meditating on the promises. Number 10, give God praise. Philippians 4, 6 through 9. Don't worry about anything. Do not worry about anything. Do not worry about anything. I want you just to say this today. I want you to get this in your spirit before you leave. Say, I'm not going to worry when I could pray. If God gave you an avenue for prayer, then stop worrying. Don't let worry eat up the time you could be praying. You only have 24 hours in a day. You only have 168 hours in a week. What in the world are you doing? Wasting time. I'm not saying I've never worried. I've worried. But I mitigate and and minimalize that that time of worry. I I don't have time to worry. God said he'll do it. God said he'll help me. God said he'll come through. Then I'm going to trust him. I got stuff to do. I got, I got, I got to be a better husband. I got to be a better dad. I got to be, I got, I got a job. I got things to do other than sit around and worry about what God already told me he'd take care of. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Philippians 4, 6. Some of y'all need to make that your, your verse of the year for 2023. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. So we have to have thanksgiving with our prayer. Amen. All right. And then a number 11 was fasting and prayer that I covered profusely last week for part two. So go and watch that last verse. I'm gonna read for you. Um, Brother Ralph, you'll come up and help me close. I want, I want you to see this in James chapter five, James chapter five. I love the book of James. It's short, easy, simple, simple to read. Verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. You know, I I was listening to Brother Hagin this week preach and teach on prayer. Brother Kenneth Hagin was a great man of God, had had, uh, an incredible life in ministry. And he made a really good point about this verse. He said, you know, this is talking about not, not uh, medicinal suffering because in the next verse, it says, is anyone sick? Uh, let him call for the elders of the church and they will pray over him, anointing them with oil. So this suffering that's in verse 13 is not dealing with sickness. This is dealing with like afflictions, like you're going through stuff. But notice what it says, let him pray. In other words, let the one who's afflicted pray. Let the one who's going through something pray. That's why you have to pray. And he said something that I'm going to start doing. He said, whenever people come up to him and they say, hey, Brother Hagin, will you pray for me? He'd always ask him, what for? And if they couldn't tell him, he wouldn't pray. Because many people just want prayer and they don't even know whether, if you're going through something, have a, 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 a hey, here's what I'm praying for. Here's what I'm standing on. What scripture am I standing on? And, 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 and this, this right here, this instructional manual, 
it'll, it'll, it'll give you everything you need to bring it to pass. But look at this. Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing songs. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with the oil and the with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Look at verse 16. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Look at this. Everybody pay very close attention. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. That word man there is not uh, the sex of man. It's talking about uh, uh, like human, human, a human being, mankind. The, the fervent, effectual prayers of righteous men and women make much... Look at it in the Amplified. Ready? In the Amplified. This is James 5 in the Amplified. Can, uh, the second half of it. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes... Everybody say this. Say tremendous power. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available that's dynamic and is working. The bonus point for today is this. You have to see prayer as a dynamic, powerful force from the heavenlies that's at your back. And when you pray, God's behind you. He says the fervent, effectual prayers of a righteous man. Look, look, can I give you one more thing? Listen, listen, this is really cool. Read, read on to the next verse. Read on to the next verse. Ready? Look, look, look. Elijah, he was a prophet, okay? Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He was just like you and me. He was a man. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. Now, that's a lot of prayer. I was trying to get it not rain on Hallelujah night for like 15 minutes. It worked. Brother Mike was like, hey, it worked, man. It did work. It did work. Praise God, it worked. But I can't imagine three years and six months. That's some prayer. This is right after what I just read you, by the way. These verses flow together. The fervent, effective, heartfelt, continued prayer of righteous men and women make tremendous power available, and then it likens it to a prophet who prayed and it did not rain for three years and six months. Look at, look at it. It continues. Look on and he prayed again, same guy, Elijah, and the heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. You see, actually, I'm glad you got the Amplified up there. See how it says, 1 Kings 18, 42 through 45? The Amplified, which is on the screens right now, it gives you a little like expanded Amplified uh, view of scripture. If you read 1 Kings 18, check this out. This will blow your mind. In the first verse of 1 Kings 18, God gives Elijah instruction. He says, go see King Ahab and it's going to rain. So he had an instruction from the Lord before he ever prayed. Before he got to verses 42, 43, 44, and 45, he had instruction. This is what I'm telling y'all. You've got instructions. You've got an instruction manual. And when you, when you, have, when you add in to your life fervent, effective prayer, heartfelt, continued prayer. It makes tremendous power available. And, and so if you read this, what happened in, in 1 Kings 18, it says this, Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go up and eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance rain. Abundance of rain. There is the sound of a mighty rainstorm coming. It hadn't rained for three years and six months. And dude's in the king's court saying, Hey, better go get ready. It's about to rain. Talk about faith. But what had happened in verse 1? He had a word from the Lord. That's why we walk by faith and not by sight. And so he says here in verse 2, 42, sorry. And Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel. So after he opens his mouth in faith and he goes up to the mountain and he says, hey. He bows down, puts his face between his knees and prays to God. Then he says to his servant in verse 43, go up now and look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. So Elijah looks to his servant. I want you to notice how Elijah prayed. Number one, he had a word from the Lord. Number two, he prayed in accordance to the word. Number three, he spoke out the word. Then number four, he expected it. He told the servant, now, hey, uh, I just prayed, and I already spoke in faith and told King Ahab the rain's coming. 
Go out there and look because the rain's coming. And so the servant goes out there, goes out the top and looks, and he comes back and tells Elijah's master, uh, yeah, there's nothing. Clouds crystal blue, bro. Not a cloud in sight. And so Elijah says again, hey, go back and look because there's a cloud coming. And he goes back and looks, comes back to Elijah and says, um, hate to break it to you, but there's no cloud. Seven times, Elijah kept sending them back. Now, why would he do that? Why would Elijah do that? Because he expected his prayer to work. There's no way that God told me it would rain, and then when I prayed and asked him to rain, and I spoke out in faith that it's going to rain, as I, there's no way we're going to sit here in a cloud not come. So go out and look again. Go out and look again. Sir, I've already been five times. Then go a sixth time. Go out and look again. Sir, I've already been six times. And listen, I know you're Elijah, and I know you just made fire fall down from heaven like a couple verses ago, but um, I've been six times. Then go out a seventh time. And on the seventh time, he walked out, and he stood on the mountain, and he looked, and he said, hold on a second. I, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. And then you can almost read Elijah's uh, uh, exuberance in, this, in the scriptures because he says, okay, all right, then go get the chariots ready. Go tell King Ahab he better go because the rain's coming. He expected the rain to come. And again, I echo point number five. If God was going to make it rain, why did he need Elijah? Because he needed somebody to pray. He needed somebody to believe in him, to say, God, I know you said it's going to rain, but you're the one who's going to make it rain. So I'm going to come on top of this mountain and put my face between my knees and with heartfelt, fervent, effective prayer, call down rain from heaven. And it rained. And it rained. And in your life, you have the ability like, this isn't some special. Again, what did we just read? He was a man. The Bible says, literally James 5 says, he was a man just like me and you. But he prayed. And he believed. He expected. He confessed. And he got his eyes looking and expecting those results. And the rain came. And the rain came. I hear the sound of a mighty rain coming. There's a mighty rain coming. There's a mighty storm coming. I hear the sound of a mighty rain coming. Stand up for me.